Does everybody know what time it is? Hey, uh, just a quick thing. I wanted to make a couple changes to our format here. I, I mean, uh, for example, uh, do you really need to ask me what time it is? Like, couldn't you just ask, like, look at your computer instead or something? Uh, well, I'm looking at my computer, and it says it's time for grunt work. If you're tired of the same old podcast, oh, turn some pages. We will be here when you are ready to roll with the changes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I've infected you with my dumb shit disease. (laughs) I had to try it. Welcome to Grunt Work, everybody. The all-inclusive podcast about the TV show Home Improvement. I'm Landon. I only read them for the article Solano. (laughs) Joined always by Truman, Angel in the Centerfold Caps. <laughs> My blood runs cold, Landon. Thank you. <laughs> and already we're talk singing again. Uh, how are you doing this week, Truman? Uh, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing uh, well as well. Uh, I had kind of an embarrassing moment happen to me. Oh, I love it when we start with embarrassing <laughs> moments. Go for it. Okay, so I am an Apple user. Yes. Uh, you, you eat them every day to keep the doctor away. <laughs> um, and I, for text messaging, use the messages uh app program whatever you call it on my laptop yeah um so i'm constantly just typing my texts to Mm. people um but i have it minimized in a way that uh my contacts are only described by their first and last initial Mm -hmm. which uh you know when i'm texting with you it says tc right okay yeah those are your initials right i I believe so yeah (laughs) wouldn't it be terrible if you were texting the wrong person all this time well uh (laughs) oh no oh did i spoil your story (laughs) Uh, for an entire day, I had been texting, um, horrifying gifts of Tim, uh, turning into a pumpkin. Oh, no. <laughs> asking for, uh, grunt count updates, uh, random, just home improvement-esque things throughout the entire day, uh, only to find later at night that, uh, my uncle, Mr. Terry Solano, <laughs> oh, TC... No. Oh, no. Had been receiving what had to have been the most absurd text messages all day long. But but now that has to be the thing where you just find a random person in your contacts and send them home improvement gifts. Like, what is more scary out of context than Tim Taylor's head turning into a pumpkin? Or, like, him laughing and shooting a flamethrower oh at the screen? God. I don't know. And I wouldn't even call those home improvement gifts. I would call them home improvement gifts. <laughs> Gifts. Gifts. Well, it's the reason for the season, isn't it? Tis. Uh, well, actually, I had, you know, I that's pretty good. I had a thing that happened to me as well recently uh, that really didn't result in as much direct embarrassment, but it did get kind of, a, <laughs> I did get kind of a scare from it. Oh, okay. And it, once again, relates to our podcast. So uh, I am a, I'm sort of a nerd for politics. Mm-hmm. I'm the sort of person who will, on special occasions, watch a live Senate vote on C-SPAN. Uh, I'm not proud You're of the it. one. I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the one viewer who they keep the lights on there for. But so the other night, uh, the Senate was voting on some stuff. And we don't need to get into what the stuff is. That's not that, it's not that kind of podcast. But so if, if you're not as awesome a dude as me and you don't watch C-SPAN Senate votes, <laughs> uh, 
when the Senate is actually voting, they'll turn mm-hmm. on the mics and you'll hear them all talking. But then there will be like roll call periods or just times when they don't like they're waiting for people to show up. And so it's just muted and there's just video, <laughs> yeah. silent video of the Senate floor. Okay. And so I am, you know, I'm waiting for the vote to start and nothing's happening. It's just silent video of the Senate floor. And I think, well, hey, I've got a, I've got a grunt work episode to edit. Let me just start editing that. So I pull up grunt work uh, for you know one of last week's episodes, and I start um, I, I start editing it, and I go for 15, 20 minutes, and we're we're on a really good tear, and we're talking about some really good stuff. And then in the middle of editing our conversation about home improvement, suddenly Mitch McConnell cuts you off and starts going, "Oh, now let's uh, resolution will be beginning in uh, five minutes," and and for for the like five seconds until I realized that, oh, the sound is still on in my computer and the Senate just started talking again. I honestly thought that like either your apartment was haunted by Mitch McConnell or we had had Mitch McConnell as a guest or something. And I, I, and I don't want to like, and again, I don't, I don't want to get political. I don't want to drag any, this, this pure good show into the morass of politics. But I think that no matter what you believe and what side of the aisle you're on, I think we can all agree that no podcast would be improved by Mitch McConnell. Like, the, the art form of podcasting doesn't need Mitch McConnell anywhere near it. So, uh, I just don't want my apartment to be haunted, <laughs> let alone by Mitch McConnell. That's a... I mean, like, out of all the ghosts that you could get, that, yeah. one, is, that one is pretty bad. The ghost of someone still alive. Yeah. He, he, looks, he looks like a walking corpse, let's be honest. Um, um, I just like the idea of you watching C-SPAN that... that C-SPAN is sort of like a, a civic duty, like jury duty, where there's one person that is mandated to watch C-SPAN in America at any given point. Yeah, everybody draw, you know, everyone has to draw Night Watch at some point or another, and I, I got the long straw, so, you know, and thus my watch continues. Oh my goodness. Um, and just like the Night Watch in Game of Thrones, you're not allowed to have sex when you're uh, on C-SPAN watch. Which is tough, because, because constitutional procedures really get me going, so I, I have to... Yeah, exercise some uh, self-control oh my goodness well we watched an episode of home improvement this week yes and and mitch mcconnell wasn't on it and your <laughs> and your yet. uncle was not here with us <laughs> no so uh but maybe in spirit maybe so maybe both just, of them we, we just did a ghost joke um <laughs> halloween's never over <laughs> Uh, why don't you take us through the synopsis of what happened this week you know landon i thought you would never ask so Folks, Mr. Binford uh, is an older man. He is in he is in the twilight of his life, but that hasn't stopped him. Uh, he has just eloped with a beautiful young model from the Black and Decker catalog. And so while he is out of the country on his honeymoon, he has put his busybody daughter Maureen in charge of tool time, much to the chagrin of Tim, who apparently had been in charge of the show for years. Uh, so, Maureen has a very meddlesome nature, and right off the bat, that leads her to start making a lot of big changes that don't sit well with Tim. Uh, she starts immediately altering the blueprints for the house that they're renovating on Tool Time, trying to add, uh, girly things like French doors and breakfast nooks. She starts messing with Al's wardrobe, suddenly Al is wearing a Hawaiian shirt everywhere. It's just, it's just not good news for anyone. Uh, meanwhile, Jill has just gotten a job at Inside Detroit Magazine, and so she's couldn't be more excited. She's super busy. She has to run out the door and, and go take this job. And what that means is Tim doesn't really have time to confide in her about what's going on at Tool Time. He tries to ask Wilson for advice about how to handle this new management, but Wilson is too busy trying to take a bath. Uh, and so finally, Tim has to figure out on his own 
uh, how to how to get control of his show back, and he figures out a way to do that by sending Marine out of town to sell promotional goods for Tool Time. Uh, and if that sounded like kind of a disjointed and anticlimax synopsis, well, guess what, folks? It was kind of an anticlimax episode. <laughs> oh, and this episode is called. Uh, this episode is called Maureen More Problems. <laughs> You know what? I say whenever we come up with a title that's better than the actual one that we should lobby to get these retconned. Dear Buena Vista, <laughs> I know it has been some time since you released the DVDs. <laughs> However, uh, look, I know someone that works at ABC. I'll see what strings I can pull. I know someone who works at ABC, yeah. too. I think it's the same person, but <laughs> probably it counts for two. Yeah. Um, no, the name of this episode... I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah, as you should be. Um, is called... May the best man win. Um. But, oh, okay. okay. Which leads me to believe they had a pile of scripts and whoops-a-daisy, two interns ran into each other <laughs> going around a corner and the pages flew up into the air. Also their chocolate and their peanut butter. <laughs> and my water, apparently. You got um, water on my table. You got table on my water. Oh, and the script, the title pages of the scripts lands on each, <laughs> on the opposite scripts. The brackets undid themselves in midair. <laughs> A new page flipped onto the existing script. The brackets redid themselves. Oh, because this title makes zero sense. There's not even a competition. May the best man win? I mean, is it the idea that that Maureen is embracing a traditionally masculine job by producing this show over... Tim and that it's a competition between them. Well, uh, there does there is a moment I want to bring up later uh, that uh, that kind of calls that into question. But I, I don't see that. Uh, I, I don't know. This is just this is right up there with worst titles for me. I mean, it's a fine title. It is just not fitting in the least. Look, the title is fine. The problem is the episode it's attached to doesn't suit the title. So either change the title or change the episode. Home improvement. We'll give you one. <laughs> Maureen, more problems. Ma Maureen, more problems. And that truly is the case, because the more reen there is, the more problems they have. Exactly. That's I, It's the simple genius of it. it, it it's, it's, <laughs> it can't be beat. Well, let's, let's get into this uh, poorly titled episode with yes. a very poor cold open. Yes. If we're going to be arbiters of, of truth... You know, we love the show. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're but not... But we, we gotta be honest. We've gotta be... Look, this this one... This episode had kind of a stank to it. It kind of... <laughs> it was kind of bad. And this cold open was kind of emblematic of what we were about to get yeah, into. Yeah, it really was just... Uh, in fact, my only note, uh, since the, the opening really has nothing to do with anything and doesn't pay off even in the one joke it's trying to tell, Ugh. was, I don't envy Truman's grunt work. <laughs> <laughs> because because yeah. what I've noticed in this season so far is that Tim is getting a little more um his his primitive man that uh, grunt uh has evolved from is evolving itself. Yeah yeah, you know, I've noticed that too and it has caused me no end of vexation, but at the same time we didn't embark on this journey because we thought it was going to be easy. I mean, <laughs> we didn't we didn't start we didn't say let's watch Home Improvement and record every grunt because we thought it was a show where they didn't grunt very often. <laughs> True, but you know, let me ask you: at any point in the series, are you going to be open to altering the criteria for what is a grunt? 
I mean, if the grunts are changing with the times, I feel like our methods should change if need be. It's just my main concern is that we get an accurate count because I don't yeah. exactly want to do this again to check my work, you know? As much <laughs> we, as I would have to this. start back from season one, episode one. To, and, and, uh, and we'd have to do podcasts about it. You'd have to be here with me, man. I can't do this shit alone. <laughs> uh, fair. I would, I would be there um, always for yeah. you. Yeah, I, that's the theme song from Baywatch, the show that uh, that is sooner or later going to rescue uh, Pamela Anderson Who is from just, this show. She is nowhere to be found I, in this show I, anymore. I, I saw her face on a milk carton in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and yet it was still being ogled by Danielle. Yeah, 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 they were both measuring it with their tape measures. Um, the... the uh, let me just describe what the cold open is so we okay. don't have to talk about this this thing anymore. I was going to go into a Pam's Corner, uh, unless you want to bring up Pam Anderson another time on this on this show. Uh, okay, well, you know, fine, let's just get yeah, Pam's we, Corner out of a finite amount of episodes to do a Pam's Corner. Okay, yeah, let's make So let's just go into yeah, that real quick, yeah. and then... Um, okay, so this was news to me. <laughs> That's the door opening yeah. to Pam's Corner. Yeah. How does that room work? Is it just like, it's a little tiny corner inside of a door... I mean, I think it's like I think it's I, I picture it as like a business or an establishment that's just called Pam's Corner. Oh, like that's like the okay, bar like that, that she's opened, kind yeah. of like Stacked, the show where she had a bookstore called Stacked. <laughs> uh, I like that idea. Okay, you just opened up the universe in my head. A I, I I opened the door. Yeah, um, I was not aware that Pamela Anderson has written two novels. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Landon! Uh, I think Pam's Corner is my favorite part of the show. I'm almost <laughs> dreading season three now. <laughs> I uh, learn something mind blowing every time we do Pam's Corner. Um, Can this spin off into its own podcast? So the names of these two novels are Star, yes, and the next title is Starstruck. Is one a sequel to the other, or is she I, just very narrow in her scope? I was wondering that. I think that they are. Uh, I didn't do enough research to verify, but... A follow-up question? Yes. Are, are they are, are they books about astrology <laughs> or astronomy? <laughs> I wish. I do have a synopsis of the second book, Starstruck. Okay. <laughs> so we're going backwards. Okay. Well, the, the brief research I did didn't uh, give me a good enough synopsis for the first episode. Synopsize me. I'm ready. Uh, first novel. So, here we go. The synopsis for Starstruck is... Uh, via Amazon is call me Ishmael <laughs> star Wood Lee's hasty secret marriage to rock and roll bad boy Jimmy Deeds triggers a chain of events that makes Hollywood tabloid history together the couple will soar past the brightest lights and the greatest heights of stardom but as star and Jimmy's lives become more public their secrets grow much much darker and soon everyone on the planet will find out what it really means to be Starstruck. <laughs> I I really I want to give extra points to someone whenever the blurb on the back of the book incorporates the title <laughs> of the book as the last words. Um, that's it's an art form. Now I want to laugh at this, but there there's a very uh, blatant overtone. <laughs> To this, uh, uh, a certain autobiographical overtone, a little bit, a little, little bit of write what you know. Um, I'm curious now that uh, the term struck as uh, a a qualifier for star, which is the name of the protagonist. So star is a celebrity. Star is the name of the protagonist in the book, and the protagonist is a celebrity. Yes. So it's about a movie star named Star. Yes. Really good Pamela Anderson. Really good writing right there. Uh, she is also known for being in a relationship, a marriage with Tommy Lee. Yes. As well as Kid Rock, but we're not going to go into that. Um, uh, why not? Because. Because it's 1989. <laughs> your thoughts are short. Your hair is long. It's summertime in northern Michigan. 
Son of a bitch. Uh, I refuse to pay residuals at Kid Rock. That's well that, that's that's good though. The, the residuals you have to pay to Kid Rock are just cans of Miller High Life and like a half full <laughs> bottle of wild turkey. If we if we use this song ten times, we have to give him a nineteen seventy eight Pontiac Firebird with a decal on the front, but I'll keep it under that number. Uh, I'm just wondering. I mean, obviously, this synopsis doesn't allude to Struck being a abuse issue, but that's why she left Tommy Lee. Uh, oh, you're right. We've been I'm, we did a lot of ju- goofers there before the spousal abuse aspect came in. <laughs> um, wow. So there how, you go, Pamela how, Anderson, novelist. How long? Is the book? It says the page counter on Amazon, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, you'd think so. I mean, if it's a novel, it's got to be over two hundred pages. Uh, you can get it on Kindle for a dollar ninety nine. Ooh, Landon. Ooh, I might, I might read a couple books this year. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, I don't have that information widely. Oh, 208 pages. There 208 pages. Well, you know, that's that's easy. It's breezy. You can slam through it in a weekend. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. That was Pam's Corner for this week. Well, well uh, er, wait, stop. I'm going to stick my <laughs> foot in the door. Uh, we should at some point do a special where one of us reads Star and the other one reads Star Struck and then we do a <laughs> podcast comparing our notes about that. You know what? We got a lot of season spectaculars to do well that's what we should do for the end of season two to celebrate the end of of pam's corner i'm into it let's do it and then pull out my keys jing 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 lock the door i don't know why swallow that key so that uh it doesn't (laughs) no one breaks in while we're gone why isn't pam locking up it's her corner also how can we never talk to pam when we're there we just go it's a place that belongs to her that we go to to talk about her that's kind of (laughs) catty uh tis but you know what we're giving her her due that uh, Tool Time and Home Improvement is not. So. Yes. There we go. Speaking of Tool Time. Yeah. Back in, to the show. In the Back to the beginning of the show. Oh, yeah. Just the cold open for Tool Time. All that's worth mentioning is Tim and Al announced that they're about to undertake the uh, 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 the end-all, be-all of Home Improvement Projects, a full house renovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim illustrates the concept of renovating a house because that's something I guess we didn't understand <laughs> by showing a bunch of before and after pictures of houses. Yes, is. His typical, like, uh, flashcard bit. Yeah, yeah. Now, folks, uh, here in, in Hollywood, in the comedy biz, we have a little thing called the rule of threes. So, uh, the first before and after he shows, it's like, ah, it's a crappy little house turns into a nice house. Second before and after, crappy little house turns into a nice house. Third before and after, uh, it's a little shack. And then the after picture, the Taj Mahal. How funny is that? The Taj Mahal is much fancier vastly, vastly fancier than the house shown before. Yeah. And there is no way Mm -hmm. that Tim could build the full-scale Taj Mahal in Michigan. It's true. So they've kind of set up one expectation, and then they've subverted it. Yeah. And then, and then, as though we weren't laughing hard enough already, (laughs) Indian music begins to play, and then Tim begins dancing the picture around, as he is so often wont to do. Yeah. And levitating it up. And then the picture floats out of his hands and up and off of the screen and into a dark void and opening credits. And (laughs) And there we are. And I look at Landon and say, that's the worst cold open they've done on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, And in a rare turn of events, we go from tool time into the theme, obviously, out of the theme, back to tool time. It's it's the classic tool it time is to tool time. A very tool time heavy episode, uh, but this time it's tool time after hours. <laughs> tool my, time nights. <laughs> my my favorite time on the show, aside um, from Pam's corner. Well, on tool times. Oh, it, of course, especially the, sh- the show within the show within yes. the show. 
Um, yeah, and so we're back, and uh, this is where Tim is, or I should say Al, is working on the, the floor plans or the whatever plans for the renovation, and Tim is trying to decide what tie he wants to wear. Um, and this is the entrance of Maureen, played by... Well, Maureen Binford. Maureen Binford. The daughter of Mr. Binford. The, the, the one and only. One of the many daughters that he said that he had, but how <laughs> Tim is like the son he never had. Uh, indeed. Yeah. Uh, and Maureen Binford is played, as a little side note, by Vicki Lewis, who is a very prolific uh, television and film actress, uh, best known for news radio. Yep. Good old news radio. She Phil Hartman played Beth on news radio. Uh, she was also in an episode of uh, King of the Hill, which I know you love. I do love. Wait, what episode? Who, yeah, who was she in the King of the Hill episode? Uh, or someone? Or... This is real descriptive. It's going to nail it for you. Her name was Kate. Oh, Kate! Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> what was the name of the episode? How about that? Uh, moving on up. What season is that from? Uh, you know, you're asking a lot from me. Here. I'm sorry. You know, this isn't the King of the Hill <laughs> podcast, except I want to make it that. Uh, uh, I, off the top of my head, yeah. I would say it's probably the one where they go to visit uh, Peggy's family in Montana who own a cattle ranch. Uh, shenanigans ensue and George t- Jefferson arrives. It's very bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> and then Janet Dubois comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing the theme song. Yeah, yeah. Niles offers everyone some sherry, and uh, and then Tony Soprano gets shot, and it cuts right to black. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, this was actually outside of uh, one other thing in 1985. Uh, technically her first uh, television appearance. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, paving the way for... Yeah. For where I know her most from, which was uh, Seinfeld, where she played Ada, George Costanza's secretary. Oh, right, 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 right. When he's working for the Yankees. Yes. Um, anyhow, that is Vicki Lewis. Yeah. Back to grunt work. Uh, so Maureen is, uh, let's say, tiresome. Let's say she's annoying. Uh, she also flirts with Al, which is all it takes to get Al completely on her <laughs> side. Yes. Uh they, they, uh, she comes in and is talking to Tim and everyone and makes some offhanded comment about how, oh, Tim, you make the show so good, and Al, you make the show look so good, or something. And Al, <laughs> Al, you bring the sex appeal. Al, you bring the sex appeal. Al is sitting down in a chair and he falls out of, like, he finds a way to stumble while he's sitting in a chair. <laughs> With no chill at all. Yes. Also, Al, get, I mean, get a hold of yourself. You just boned a girl in a hammock like one episode ago, <laughs> listening to yes. the finest square dance music around. Um, yeah, this is very bizarre. So, they, uh, Al, I mean, they have a history. They know each other. Maureen isn't just coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, in fact, Al says, oh, yeah, I remember you from the Halloween party. You came as a toggle switch this year, which I want to know what the hell that... Uh, that I, I, costume looks like i mean well if you assume that a toggle switch has a red handle maybe that she wore a thing kind of around her body that looked like the switch casing and then her head with the red hair was supposed to be the switch itself that you pull um i gave this way too much thought i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i see some logistical issues with that but uh i'm into it let's go for it um anyhow she's here to to replace uh, the producers of the show. But except that there are no producers. Well, this is, you know, this is going to touch on the first of many through lines that I want to uh, address yeah, here. Yeah. Which is, what happened to Jerry? Well, I granted, we're assuming he's the producer. This is the grunt work narrative that we're creating. Yes, yeah. Well, Jerry does make an appearance in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, but what are what is your job if she's here? 
Who's producing the show? Like, they're saying, it is t- okay, so in the home improvement idea of what's going on, we'll set grunt work aside sure. for a second. Is Tim technically the producer of the show or Mr. Binford? Well, I think it's Tim because Tim says, but we don't, we don't need a producer. I run the show. Right. That's what, so what I took that to mean is that I don't know who Jerry is or, 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 you know, or Glenda or any of the other people (laughs) we see in suits and sunglasses at the edge of the stage. I think, you know, it's made clear here that Tim established the show three years ago. So I think what it is, is that Tim just, runs like Tim is the head honcho calling the shots and that's why the show so frequently sucks is because it is Tim's <laughs> brainchild. That's why there's lengthy hmm. dead air. That's why he goes off script all the time. And that's that's why Because there's no one to say no to him. There's no one to rein him in. That's why Lisa does talent booking. <laughs> that's why that's he, why she's left to go to a different show. That, she's moved to the West Coast. Yeah. She's gonna start up a whole new career as a uh, lifeguard. And but the show is so poorly run, she's still getting paychecks for being being the tool girl because they don't know she's gone. I mean, this explains why there's episodes where Tim will will start out at home, then be on set recording, then be at home, then be back on set recording in the course of a single day because Tim makes these shooting schedules. That's, you know, yeah, and it's probably not very conducive to the rest of the cast and the audience and um, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, and if Tim is a producer, he's a pretty shit producer because... He's not producing anything, I think which would, we just gave examples of. Yeah, I think it would be more of a shock if Tim was a good producer at, yeah. at this point. Whenever Tim is actually good at anything, <laughs> including his job, right. uh, I am impressed. Uh, so I am not inherently opposed to there being an actual producer stepping into the show. It seems like a good idea. <laughs> Maybe Maureen isn't doing good. Well, honestly, though, this is, okay, as long as we're, let's just get it all out yeah. in the open. Let's just, let's just talk. Yeah. Let's strap. Let's talk. Uh, we, uh, you know, Maureen comes in and Tim is chafing under her and the show really wants us to hate Maureen and think she's bad. But in a lot of cases, Maureen seems to be pretty knowledgeable. She seems to know what she's a little, doing. A little overbearing, but yeah, she does. She knows and, her job and she's very assertive. And and having having worked in Hollywood some, uh, let me just say, I've met a number of, of overbearing producers. Uh, in fact, 100% of the producers I've met have been overbearing. That's kind of... <laughs> part of the job yeah so i think like so really what we have here is tim railroading a woman who is more competent than him who is poised to make the show a better run operation mm-hmm. because he doesn't like the fact that she wants him to you know impose order and common sense on what he does true um she's also imposing hawaiian shirts on him. Hawaii, yeah exactly i think that's the thing that uh kind of grinds tim's gears a little bit yeah uh, is the arbitrary changes um when she when she walks right in announces she's the producer and then doodles a breakfast nook yeah, just onto kind the of house like, they're building yeah that was a whole I, it's barely worth mentioning but like al's working pretty diligently on these uh, you know renovation plans yeah. uh, blueprints mm-hmm. and then a moment later tim walks over and starts just writing on what al was working on without giving much thought or look at what al was working on which i was like oh my god Tim, come on. But then Maureen walks in, and she just literally doodles over the renovation. She's like, there you go. This is what we're going to do. It's yet another case of someone else doing something Tim has just done, and it's a problem when that person does it, but it's okay (laughs) when Tim does it. Right, yeah. like, touching other people's stuff. Totally cool when Tim goes into Jill's makeup and plays around with it. Not cool <laughs> right. when Jill lifts up his wrench and moves it two inches to the side. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, 
So, okay, the next thing I want to talk about is the reason that she's here. Yes. Right? Mr. Binford. Yes. Uh, he has disappeared. Yes. Off into the distance. off Rode off into the sunset, if you will. On that roller coaster. Bareback. of lo- Oh, no, no, go on. Bareback. <laughs> you're, you're talking about bears. I'm excited for you. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Horseback. Uh, but apparently, Mr. Binford married a tool girl from the Black and Decker catalog. And when they announced that he married a tool girl, I was like, is this, wait, wait, did is he marry, does he, did he marry Lisa? Yeah, that right. would, that would be a billion points to Gryffindor. Well, now I want to dig into this a little bit. I have questions. First of all, Black and Decker, Binford, from my understanding of this anomalous money laundering <laughs> business run solely by Tim, is oh, at well. least poised as a tool company. Yeah. So wouldn't Black and Decker be the competition? Maybe Black and Decker would be the competition, but the but the eye candy who shows up in their magazines, they're free agents, dude. Fair. Okay. Second point. Uh, since when do tool catalogs have centerfolds? Oh, I feel like they do. Look. <laughs> okay, look, I'm not a guy. Look, I can't yeah. claim to have read uh, a tool catalog. I've, I have certainly read magazines with pictures of naked women in them. Like yeah. that I can talk about. As for tool catalogs, not so much. I will say... Uh, in in my uh, in my neighborhood, there are a lot of billboards up for a local business called Work Boot Warehouse, where one can buy work boots, presumably okay. in a warehouse setting. And those billboards have a full size picture of a like cute young girl in like uh, bikini bottoms and like a flannel shirt tied off right below her boobs uh, and her hair all done up, okay. and she's wearing the work boots. So I think that when they fit all that on a billboard, I, well, I'm, yeah, you know, they're big ones. They're huge. Uh, but I think the boots. That, yes. Yes. <laughs> Great big boots. And you know, they're real because uh, work boot Genuine warehouse. Leather. <laughs> no, but I think that when you're selling stuff to predominantly males, yeah. uh, I think that, well, hey, I think the tool, so tool magazines are selling pretty much exclusively to dudes. Mm-hmm. They're probably run exclusively by dudes. Somewhere along the line, there's some, I, you know, I think there's, um, like, one guy working at the Tool Magazine was running along carrying all of the uh, pages of Tool Magazine articles, and another guy was running along carrying a bunch of printouts of naked ladies, yes. and they bumped into each other and all the pages got mixed up, <laughs> and they were like, hey, this just might work, this is crazy enough to work. Man, that accident seems to happen a lot. <laughs> it's the blind corners. I mean, you know, since since OSHA changed the regulations and they stopped putting so many blind quarters in office spaces, creativity has just gone way down. <laughs> That's why that's why we haven't invented any new candy bars since oh. they made Reese's. People haven't mixed unexpected <laughs> things together. Well, um, okay. So, is this a good time? I, we we've been riffing for a little bit, but is this a good time to start bringing in the theories? Uh, yeah, bring in the theories. Bring the theory, man. There's okay. not like a there's not like a clock on when we're not allowed to do this. Well, we're getting derailed from the the narrative of this quite a bit, but well, there's not a lot of it. Um. Maureen comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. making a lot of changes, supervising. One of the things that um, is brought up once Al is now in a Hawaiian shirt rather than a flannel is that Maureen was worried that he was blending into the background. Mm-hmm. Okay, that line alone, blending into the background, is the start of our theory that Al is a sleeper agent. <laughs> that he first started uh, undercover. Kind of, uh, you know, innocuous, observing, blending in, invisible. Mm-hmm. And now this woman, 
appears out of nowhere. A dame. <laughs> From the moment she walked in, I knew she was trouble. <laughs> she had legs that went all the way up to the invisible nega ass and then up to her ass. <laughs> she lit a cigarette and said, I'm out of I'm out of film noir stock text. Go on, please. Um, I'm just saying, I find it bizarre that uh, Heidi comes in, yes. who, who, a woman, Kiki, Kiki, from a couple episodes yeah, ago, yeah. who, you know, from Overactive Glance, yes. the, the, blom, uh, the bombshell in the blue dress. Yeah, I remember this. I, <laughs> oh, you mean for all of them? For, for the listeners. The people we do this for? Yes, oh, exactly. Of course. Um, it's not just us sitting no, here. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's strange to me that she appears, Lisa disappears, uh, now Maureen appears... We know that Kiki's going to become Heidi. There's a lot of changes going on. I, I'm, I'm, I don't have the connective tissue exactly, but I'm posing that Maureen is, uh, she's part of this agency. So she's, she's the, the sever to Al's ex, basically, is what you <laughs> Kinda, mean? yeah. She's the knight to his day. Yeah. Uh, the salt to his, whoever the bad guy in salt is. Because why would Al who is so uh, gung-ho about integrity and craftsmanship, um, fold so quickly uh, to her demands, uh, especially looking foolish in, like, a Hawaiian shirt rather than workman's clothes, mm -hmm. uh, unless she had something over him. Uh, I don't think so, Landon. Uh -oh. I, think that, uh, I think that Al is a good undercover asset, and so he sees someone else in here trying to sniff out trouble, trying to stir things up, uh, trying to, you know, someone who who is presumably another undercover operative. Uh, Al's not going to act in a way that raises any suspicion in her mind that he might, might not be what he is. Mm. Al is going to roll over for her immediately, let her think that he's got her wrapped around, that she's got him wrapped around his finger. Okay. So that then that way he lulls her into a uh, false sense of security and he knows where... Uh, where uh, hmm. all the chips are standing before he drops the cards, or whatever gambling metaphor I'm trying to make <laughs> right, right now. Yeah, I, that's uh, it's not technically a double cross. What would you call that exactly? I don't know. Just it's kind like of like a half cross. <laughs> it's not even a cross, really. It's just it's real uh, intelligent gameplay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in, in, yeah, let's call it intelligent gameplay. <laughs> in, in my head, uh, he knew that she knew. Like he know the whole narrative for Al is that. <laughs> He knew that she knew. He knows that she knows he's an undercover agent. So he has to act accordingly. Otherwise, he might get killed, uh, be forced to take a cyanide capsule. Who knows what the agency wants uh, for this defecting sleeper agent that is named Borland. Yes. this, Or even maybe he was a defective sleeper agent who then defected before he could get retired. <laughs> he's a defective detective. No, 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 we're doing no. Monk. Come on. <laughs> A defective. Uh, you're just gonna say detective again, and we're still gonna be talking about monk. A defective defector. Okay. Detective. De <laughs> okay, that's Russian monk. A defective detective defector. Well, who listens to this? I don't know. Why? Why is back that? to the show? Also, Russian monk is called Orthodox monk. I thought it was called Rasputin. Okay, right there. You earned that one. One other thing that we have to say <laughs> about Maureen's uh, first rival. She comes in. She's she makes all these additions Sorry, to their yes. plans. Like, yes. oh yeah, we can we can add a breakfast nook here. And Tim is like, no no no, this is a man show for men. We don't have nooks. We don't have French doors. Uh, you, you this is a show. You, you ever heard about a bunch of bunch of big tough men saying, oh let's go eat a let's go eat a muffin in the breakfast nook? 
and Al just just sidles <laughs> up beside him and says, uh, "Well, a muffin in a nook would be cozy, Tim." And that is why Al is my spirit animal. <laughs> a muffin in a nook sounds real good right now. You know, I could handle a muffin in a nook. Yeah, a little sun sunrise coming up. Doily, maybe. Yeah, with a nice little book uh, named Starstruck in your lap. <laughs> Cup of English breakfast tea. <laughs> the Black and Decker catalog. <laughs> Open to page 142, the centerfold. And 143. Yeah. <laughs> watch the episode, folks. You'll get that little... We're not going to explain that joke. You just have to watch it yourself on Hulu uh, if you want to. So, yeah. that I mean, there's not too much else in that scene. Uh, we just learned that, you know, Maureen is here, and she's here to make changes. And she, Tim does not like that. Yes. She's here. She is queerly interested in changing <laughs> the way the show works. Get over it. Except Tim refuses. Yes. Uh, and we go back home for Tim to lament. Yes. Uh, to his wife named Jill Taylor, who... Uh, that's who that is! Oh. <laughs> she, uh, I, don't, I feel worth mentioning, because she's kind of taken a back seat this season, I feel like. Well, yeah, that, yeah actually, I guess you're right. She kind of has. Uh, but, luckily, in this episode, they give her uh, something she's been wanting since the first episode. Yes, the realization of a long-standing dream. Jill has gotten a job at a magazine for one week. Now, you said in the, the synopsis that... Um, it was Inside Detroit Magazine, as if the name of the episode wa- or uh, magazine was called Inside. Yeah. Um, I, can you verify that? Because I <clears throat> the the note that I typed down when she said it was I've gotten a job at or I got a job at Inside Detroit Magazine. Okay, I heard you, I got a job Inside Detroit Magazine. Oh, but I could be wrong. My my, there's no thing called Inside Detroit Magazine. There's no thing called Detroit Magazine. <laughs> but there is an, uh, a magazine called Our Detroit. H O U R uh, Detroit Magazine. It's all about clocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's about stories, restaurants, events. It's uh, about moments clubs. and days in uh, in a second <laughs> oh, in no. a in a moment in time. Here it comes. You know what I like about Detroit? It's not safe there. Some places are too safe. I think safety can be boring. What's exciting? Danger. Danger is exciting. You know what else is exciting? Soup. Get back in the coffin. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> See, that was so much better than than that guy at the funeral's daughter's Andy Rooney impression. Like, maybe you guys, look, maybe you guys didn't think that was good. I will admit it wasn't great. But the girl in the video at the funeral, way worse. Uh, that's a callback to last week's episode. Yeah. And also to a funeral that I went to. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, Inside Detroit Magazine. I mean, what, like, yeah. what is it about? Like, your, you know, best places to... Uh, uh, Dine, their stories, local stuff. Yeah. Whatever the top, case. Top five favorite shuttered automotive plants. <laughs> Whether it's inside Detroit Magazine or it's our Detroit Magazine that she's working inside of, um, she has gotten a job as a researcher. <laughs> Who says, I got a job inside this place? I, I, got, a jo- I got a job inside Walmart. <laughs> oh, so you're painting it? No, no, no. That's a job outside Walmart. <laughs> Are there outside greeters at Walmart? I got a job inside Llewellyn Davis. <laughs> what, what is that, like an Osmosis Jones type situation yeah, where you're like so, his immune yeah. system? <laughs> I really, now we need to splice the animated scenes from Osmosis Jones, but then cut out all the Bill Murray stuff and put in inside yeah. Llewellyn Actually, Davis. I got it even better. Uh, we'll, we'll filter, we'll just take the audio and filter it so that it sounds like it's coming from inside of his body. <laughs> And just overlay the entire movie. <laughs> you know, it's this quiet, contemplative movie with a lot of music in it anyway. What you really need is just a little bit of Osmosis Jones just to kind of kick it up. Uh, they could have won the Oscar if they if they put 15% of Osmosis Jones. Is the, is, that's the sweet spot. I um, hope there's a lot of Osmosis Jones fans listening to our podcast. 
<laughs> okay, we, I've been I've been derailing you. She got a job as a researcher for this magazine all yes, about Detroit. Which uh, Karen got her the job. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't remember that Karen. Yeah, Karen got her. Uh, she recommended her. Good old Karen, man. Um, is it worth mentioning that she's hiding hoopty hose from the kids? No. What are hoopty hose? Is this another Michigan thing? No. It's a it's a non-existent thing, just like Inside Detroit Magazine. <laughs> well, at least Inside Detroit Magazine doesn't have a whimsical name. <laughs> uh, true. Uh, but yeah, so she's very excited for one week of work at this job. Yes. And as and so she is running around this this uh, whirling dervish of excitement. Yes. I hate the word whirling dervish, but I feel like in this case she was truly. I don't think I've ever heard it until right now, and I kind of love it. it. It sounds almost like a Pokemon. Maybe it is one. <laughs> Who knows? Is it one word or is it two? It's it's, it's a two word thing, and it's whirling. 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 Landon, it's whirling. It's the language you grew up speaking, dude. What, dervish? Dervish. Interesting. I don't know what a dervish is on its own. If a dervish can be a dervish and if it's not whirling. <laughs> uh, I picture it as a vegetable. Um, oh, and yeah, I've never eaten a spinning vegetable before. Well, now's the time to start, man. I see you've got, I you've got spaghetti squash right there. We can play <laughs> spin the squash after this if you want. I, I have eaten baby carrots off of a lazy Susan. Uh, <laughs> but not... <laughs> That's the that's the laziest, most midwestern form of hedonism there is. Just it's not someone feeding you grapes on a recliner. It's like you with the lazy just rotating into yourself. Anyhow, Jill, I want to talk about Jill in this scene for a little yeah. bit because she is like steamrolling. You, oh yeah, you called her a whirling dervish. Uh, You're calling her a steamroller. A thing we I, actually know what it is. <laughs> but she like Tim comes home trying to talk to her about his day, and she is like having none. Of, I can't tell if she's playing this in a way that's like intentionally not trying to listen to him or if she's uh so caught up in her own excitement i know what was your take on this you know how jill gets though like there's been like both times that she has gone out and talked to wilson when she's got something on her mind or she gets excited about something one like once wilson makes the point to her that makes everything click in her mind jill in both cases walks clean out of the backyard muttering to herself with barely a goodbye to Wilson. (laughs) Right. In one case, walking away with a burger she was grilling for him. (laughs) Yes. So I think that what it is is that just part of Jill's character is when she gets really jazzed about something, she kind of filters out everything else in her life. Right. Which is why she's... Tim is trying to explain what happened to her, but she's just running around talking over him, saying, "Oh, I've got to pick up the dry cleaning. You have to, you have to get the boys up in the morning, and I have to get this and this, and I have to pick mm-hmm. up that thing, and I have to run out right now." Okay, bye. And doesn't even listen. It's it's strange. Uh, I mean, it, I'll chalk it up at this time since we've seen it twice now. It's just kind of an interesting personality trait of Jill. Um, a part of me, uh, I guess, I need more evidence of this. Seems like it's the producer and the 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 makers of the show, a very male centered point of view. As kind of a play on women in hysterics, um, the the, the process that a woman getting a job for one week will make her so extremely happy that she is uh, more just in a general sense that there is a uh, excitement point at which a woman will reach in which <laughs> rationale and the reality no longer exists. Yeah, the she, kind of like archaic ideas of hysteria. Yeah, it, it's the same way she jumps onto a table when she hears a mouse is in the house. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and there's no talking her down until mm-hmm. she goes through it. I, I don't know. I Well, hey, you know how women get. How? Like that, I've been led to believe. <laughs> I can't wait to meet a woman one day. My The, the Wikipedia page has a lot of interesting <laughs> answers and also some line drawings. So Tim is kind of left unfulfilled in this scene. 
so yeah, Tim has Tim has kind of emotional blue balls from this. He's not able to uh, talk about about this this uh, power grab that's happened. Yeah, and then from Tim's kind of frustration, the scene condenses into a droplet. <laughs> we go into right. the next scene, and it drops into what? What does it drop into? A bottle of milk. And what does it do when it gets into the milk? It splashes milk on the sides of the bottle. I didn't think. You know, Landon, I, I yeah. try to take I try not to take things for granted, but I at least assumed we wouldn't get two previous scene turns into a drop of milk and drop into a bunch of milk and splash milk out oh, transitions goodness. in the same show. Listen, Truman, we're living in an age when nothing makes sense anymore. Uh, literally, your sense of what's right and wrong and up and down and left and right cannot be taken for granted anymore. I, I, you have gotten two milk transitions. <laughs> In two seasons, we have six more to go. I You might get six more milk transitions. <laughs> At this point, I pray that it's only six more milk transitions and not 12 <laughs> or more. If, if it's that, yeah. I literally will have to take a lactate. <laughs> yeah, but so Tim has now uh, relegated the, the duties and responsibilities of feeding his kids. Yes. Uh, Shame. Poor, poor Tim. Poor Tim. Um, though there was a kind of a funny exchange here where Randy's giving him a little bit of crap saying, you know, mom <laughs> slices up bananas for our cereal. Uh, and he goes, why don't you slice up bananas for us? And Tim is like so frustrated already. Yeah. Uh, and he's just, cause I don't love you as much as mom does. <laughs> it was just kind of a funny And, and he throws a banana at Randy yeah. when he does that. Yeah, yeah. And let me also say to Tim's defense, the boys are all old enough. They can pick up an effing butter yeah, knife and agreed. cut a banana into slices. Okay, <laughs> just so just everybody chill. Yeah, agreed. Um, and uh, we go from the scene uh, onto our location. Well, I mean, Jill Jill dervishes her way in and is just running around being <laughs> just regular dervish. She didn't whirl in this one. I know. I guess she, Will Jill whirls in and begins to dervish up the place. Yeah, and <laughs> and is super excited to get out the door. Um, again, just, just not really able to focus on anything else. She kisses the boys and everything and then runs out the door because the, like the bus is waiting outside, like the city bus to take her to work. So she runs out the door, uh, as she opens the door, Al is standing there waiting. She runs out, uh, then the boys run out a second later to get on the bus and then Al comes in with the unfortunate news that Maureen is already at the project house that they're going to be renovating. And, uh, they, and Al is saying, you need to give Mo a chance uh, she has a lot of really good ideas. Yeah. When we sat down and had coffee together, she suggested all these things, and Tim realizes that Maureen has <laughs> has plied her feminine wiles yeah. against Al, who is perhaps more susceptible to wiles than anyone else. Yeah, and, and this coffee date I see playing out a lot like the beginning of Haywire, the <laughs> Steven Soderbergh movie. <laughs> Between two agents of chaos. Basically, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and also, uh, in the middle of this conversation, Tim unzips Al's parka to see that Al has begun wearing, wearing <laughs> begun wearing uh, Hawaiian shirts yes. at at uh, Marine's behest. Yes, uh, which leads us into a Beach Boys uh, wave, uh, Beach Boys joke, which leads us into a wave transition. And you know, hey, better that than a Charles Manson transition <laughs> or a Manzition <laughs> or a Helter Skelter vision. It sounds like a William Castle gimmick. <laughs> it, well, look, this this episode in hating memory of Charles Manson, <laughs> burn in hell forever, you awful dude. Uh, there you go. Um, now, I have a question about this location. Yeah. This next scene, we're, we're on location at the house that they're going to renovate. Very important question. 
is this Ink's house? I was asking myself that, and I don't think it's Ink's house, which is the house that they did their previous uh, exterior remote segment uh, on renovation Jill's thing. Yeah, on, on Jill's <clears throat> birthday, another episode of the great title. Uh, I, no, I don't think it's Ink's house, just based on... I, I whether it's in a neighborhood or it's on like a back lot, maybe at Universal or something, yeah. I can't I can't be sure, but it looks like different surroundings. I think I think Ink's house A, Ink's house looked like it was newly constructed, and this is an older house that they're yeah, using. Okay. Um so I don't think so, but it feels a lot like that same stuff. It setup. does. It feels I I the Ink's house was shown uh in the winter, so there's snow on the ground. Yeah. Uh and it looked like they just used the same set and put a tree in the front yard. Um, but you know, it could be a different, same style house, just different. Who knows? Yeah. But also uh, you might be right. And I just might be more susceptible to movie magic than, than the garden <laughs> variety <laughs> person. I'm just, I just think every time it's an individual. Uh, but within our universe is that, uh, Ink's house. Within our universe is that Ink's house? Oh. <laughs> like, do you think tool time is going back to Ink's house to renovate it after, um, like, do they owe Ink additional renovations it, for tearing down the front of his house? So that means it's taken Ink, like, a year to get after them about this, Maybe, though? yeah. He's been so I busy mean, look at Tim flight. as the only sole producer of this show. I, I, I guess, yeah, if Tim is Tim is the only one in the back room at this thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe, yeah. It is just kind of question. We don't know whose house this is or yeah. where this house is or who's going to live in it afterwards. Right, right. Um, we do also get, uh, Jerry. We get our Jerry sighting in this scene. Yeah. And he is glaring real hard at Mo. More like glary, am I right, folks? <laughs> glary. Ugh. Uh, so he's, he's glaring at Marine. <laughs> I loved it. Marine is, you don't have to tell me that for my feelings. You can not like them. Uh, uh, acting. Maureen is there. Yes. She's calling some shots. Yes. Uh, bossing people around, trying to set things up. Tim right away does not like this and are sparring over who should be in control. Tim says, uh, it's a man show. We do things with a devil-may-care attitude here. Uh, this is what he says because <laughs> he wants to open the show standing on the roof of the house, but Maureen says no based on the way the rafters are set up inside. It, it looks moldy, too dangerous. Yeah, right. Which, and again, in Maureen, to Maureen's credit, she clearly knows something about home improvement <laughs> yeah. and has some sense of safety precautions, which already are... Two points in her favor over Tim. True, but would that be a, a detractor in the eyes of her father, who knows that the show's success pivots on Tim's failure? Well, that's very good. That's that. Yeah, you know, she she's essentially trying to neuter what's working about the show. Yeah, yeah. She's she's like, hey, this this jazz sounds great, but can you just not make up so much stuff? <laughs> or is she uh, such a intelligent agent? <laughs> That she knows how to manipulate Tim into making a worse mistake <laughs> by falling through the roof into the basement of the house. Uh, this, you know, this this mistake that if she if indeed she manipulates Tim into making this mistake, I think that he uh, I think he comes out pretty well. Given that yes. he does, isn't if it's even in a cast afterwards, he just has a minor limp. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, uh, but. So he insists though on going up on the roof to yeah. start the show, and so they the first. Opening segment of Tool Time is Tim standing on the roof, walking around on the roof, talking about the, you know, gotta watch out for these weak points on the roof. This whole thing is being filmed by one handheld camera <laughs> standing on the lawn at, yes. like, the sidewalk, like, across the lawn. Yeah. Tim is on the roof of this house. On a TV screen, he's gonna look, he's gonna be about as tall as a matchstick. <laughs> 
And yet on on the monitor that they're looking at, it's like they've got a mega close up. They have some kind of yeah. telephoto lens on this on this camera <laughs> that they're shooting with. Uh, it's true. Again, movie magic. I guess so. T- public access magic. <laughs> Cable magic. Cable access magic. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you know what we get in this scene that we haven't heard in quite a while? What do we get? We get a bold, I don't think so, Tim. Yeah, Tim wants Al to come up on the roof with him, yeah. and Al doesn't think so. He's, uh, <laughs> but because the roof has multiple dark moldy patches on it, yeah. it seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it does. But I just thought it was interesting we haven't heard the catchphrase in a while. Yeah. Um... So after this disastrous uh, segment of tool time, Tim is looking to uh, lament to other people. Again, yeah. Jill is working her first day of uh, on the job. She's nowhere to be found. Yeah. So he turns to his trusty uh, neighbor, Mr. Wilson. Mr. Wilson, who is wearing a bathrobe. A uh, kimono, I think. Oh, let's call it a kimono. I want it to be a kimono. I mean, it was very Japanese looking. I, I can't say for sure that it was. I didn't get to, you know, the full front because uh, he was carrying some uh, herbs. You, you didn't get full frontal Wilson. <laughs> uh, I mean, do we ever? I mean, I'm not going to hold out well, yeah, yeah. that for this show. <laughs> you got yeah, It's a pretty long centerfold to get yeah. full frontal Wilson. <laughs> uh, well, he yeah. When he first when Tim first comes in the backyard and calls for Wilson, mm-hmm. Wilson is kneeling and, and it's hey Wilson, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just gathering some herbs, neighbor. <laughs> and I really I knew it wasn't going to happen. I just wanted Wilson to turn around with like all these pot leaves. In his hands. <laughs> and then even though we don't see, we never see his face yeah. on the show, he still smiles and winks at the camera. Now I don't want to Snoop Dogg I, I, transition. <laughs> Um, I don't want to keep putting the brakes on uh, to just kind of deliberate. No, let's deliberate, man. But it's podcasting. It's all stupid This bullshit. Wilson scene is bizarre because uh, Wilson is adamant to get in the house. He wants to get he in that bath. does not want to have a conversation with Tim. He gives him half-hearted advice uh, saying that change is good and roll with it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Tim is saying like, oh, they brought in this new producer and she's taking over the job. She's making all these changes and what can I do about it? And, and yeah, like you said, he just goes... Well, uh, like Wilson the whole time, he's like not even standing by the fence. He's clearly trying to go through the door. He's talking like he's in a hurry. He says, well, neighbor, uh, sometimes change is good. Okay, I'll see (laughs) you. So do I even have to ask the question? What does Wilson have going on? Yeah. He he is clearly getting ready to take a bath. Yeah. uh, In a kimono. Um, I think he'll take the kimono off. Well, yes, obviously. Not the hat, though. (laughs) The hat stays on. (laughs) I never take off my roller skates. Your face was really scary with that. Because well, I'm adamant about these things. <laughs> um, so do you think Wilson has somebody over? Oh, yeah. Maybe he does. Maybe God does have a girlfriend. <laughs> I kind of like that idea that, that, yeah, that he's got some candles lit. Mm. And, may, th- th- yeah, there's some woman over who you never really see her face. And their whole night is just them <laughs> meta-messaging each other. Like, she's talking about, like, Gloria Steinem oh and, and, like, dense feminist theory and he's talking yes. about like like ancient history and philosophy mm. they don't even touch each other <laughs> it's like that scene in uh uh was it f- 40 days and 40 nights is that the name of that movie with josh hartnett where he like uh he takes a, a vow of celibacy for oh, 40 right, days yeah, yeah. And there's that sex scene with the rose petals where he's like <laughs> blowing a rose petal down yeah uh, shannon sossaman's stomach yeah and that like that <laughs> Isn't that the same movie where a woman rapes him and it's like a big comedy scene? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, okay. Allie Larder, I think, uh, plays that role. Okay. Uh, I actually don't really care for that movie, so I'm surprised that I remember so much of it. I don't think, I don't think there's really a, a, a robust uh, 40 Days and 40 Nights <laughs> fan community. I don't think J.J. Abrams is in talks to reboot that franchise <laughs> anytime not. soon. Uh, I do like movie. Allie Larder. I do like Shannon Sossaman. I do like Josh Hartnett. So 
Um, yeah, I'm just trying to balance out my opinions here. Um, I'm sure they wouldn't have taken it personally. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't like the movie either. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, I kind of like that idea that, you know, uh, Wilson and his date are just kind of like pushing each other to climax through words. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, tell me more about Robert Bly. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Very good. Very good, lady lover. Very good. Yes, yes. <laughs> Read me more, Euripides. <laughs> and the thing is, because his face is always half covered, you can't really tell what his O face is. <laughs> and that is my low point. That's my rock bottom, making jokes about the dearly departed Earl Hindman's O face. Um, oh, geez. So, so uh, Wilson ain't got time for that. Nope. Uh, you know who else doesn't? Brad, Mr. Brad, he is—he's going off to see Jenny Sidarsky. Yeah, because all is still well in paradise, I suppose. Or so he's telling his father. Yeah, maybe he's going off to see some other woman, or to throw some more bricks at yeah. a greenhouse. Some sort of uh, maybe this turf war uh, in the neighborhood. <laughs> him and him and George W. Bush are at it again. <laughs> Bob and Stinky man. <laughs> um, who knows? But anyhow, he doesn't. And but you know who does? Mark. Cute little Mark. You know what? This episode with Mark really brought me back to the very early days of this show where Mark is adorable and cute and warms my heart. Adorable and cute and kind of useless and dumb, but... <laughs> True. Uh, but, you know, there, there's a place for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I try, well, he goes. He, it's very sweet. He loves his daddy. He goes and he's, you know... And he's so sad when uh, his mom's leaving. And there's, we didn't talk about earlier when yeah. Jill tells Mark, oh, I'm going uh, going away for a job. And they mm-hmm. have this really sweet talk because Mark is sad that his mom's going to leave and thinks that she's not having fun at home. Yeah. Um, I don't... He, he really got me in this episode. Look, he's good at being cute. No one is disputing that Mark is cute. Uh, he, and, and when, when Tim says, Hey, have you got a second to help your dad out? He goes like, I always have time for Aww. you, dad. And that's, that's sweet. You know, he's, it's he's so a, sweet. Daddy's little boy. In this little boy scout uniform. Yeah. His little boy yeah, scout I'm gonna, hat. I'm going to yeah, draw oh, the line mm, there. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go much further than that. Nice one, Mr. Spacey. <laughs> uh, so tries to talk to tries to talk to Mark, but Mark hasn't really got Mark's six. He can't, yeah. he can't talk about like power struggles in a workplace setting. Yeah. Uh, Jill comes home finally, uh, still, still a whirl uh, from her from her hard dervishy day at yeah. the at Inside Detroit magazine. Uh, she's telling Tim about how great a day it was. It was a great day. I didn't get lost. No one yelled at me. Okay, Jill, you've got the bar set really low for your first day on the <laughs> you job. You know what? That's for my bar set too. Who, okay, but really, who like like? Okay, certainly people get yelled at in workplace settings. On your first day, someone yells at you. That that is a sign of a dysfunctional workplace. Uh, it's true. Yeah, but um, you either you know, work. You and I have both been PAs. So <laughs> if you get yelled at on your first day, you are either working as a production assistant or at the White House. Those are basically your two options. Uh, but she also, something that I like, she's uh, so excited about her job, she's showing off to Tim her uh, electronic security card yes. to get into the building, which has punch cards in it. Like, there's yeah. holes cut out, because the 90s. The 90s, yeah, that is the only explanation. I do remember those. Uh, every once in a while, we, you know, uh, came to a hotel that had them like that. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah. A bygone era. Man. For sure. Kids, for all of our young listeners, uh, if you don't know what punch cards are... If you don't know what hotels are... <laughs> That w- hotels are like Airbnbs that are all in the same building, and there's a slightly decreased chance that uh, the proprietor is watching you have sex. <laughs> uh, by the way, 
check out Voyeur on Netflix. It was really good. V- Voyeur? On- yeah, that's a new documentary they released. Wait, uh, is it about that guy who bought the hotel in yes. Colorado? Oh, man, I read that New Yorker article. That yeah, guy was, was a sick puppy. But uh, It was. It's a fantastic, it's a very fascinating documentary. Yeah. Um, there you go. Landon's recommendation of the week. <laughs> Land- Landon's, Landon's sexy documentary corner. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call it sexy. But, um, I, but I would call it a corner. It's right next to Pam's. <laughs> and that I would call sexy. Um, Pam has the sexiest corners. Ooh, girl's got some corners on her, though. Okay. <laughs> She's got corners up to here. <laughs> Those corners go all the way up to up. form a 90-degree angle. <laughs> Whew. Okay. Um, let's go back to Jill here. Yes, let's. She shows off her, her card... And at long last, uh, she finally takes a second. She calms her estrogen down enough to uh, do her wifely duty and listen to her husband talk about his problems. And this is the ironic alert. Yes, <laughs> going yes. off. Uh, <laughs> Jill, Jill finally uh, lets off some of the energy from her day and sits down to uh, engage in a mutual discussion with her husband, yes. who is for, first and foremost her equal in all. Uh, Tasks, both domestic and everything else. Women are great. Uh, <laughs> Tim explains what's happening with Maureen and that Maureen has taken the show away from him. Yes. Uh, Jill is rightfully outride, outraged and yes. says, oh, she's the one from, from all those Halloween parties, right? Mm-hmm. About about this big. And she holds her fingers up uh, very close together yeah. in a, at a distance that is not truly representative of Maureen's height. <laughs> and uh, she says, I can take her. And she, like, legit wants to fight Maureen. I know. And I love this side of uh, Jill's personality. It was great because after how when whenever they put Jill into dervish mode like they did, <laughs> yeah. I mean Patricia Richardson still does it well and I yes. like it, but it feels unnatural. And then when she's like this and back to kind of being playful and a little bit sassy and kind of kind of a little slow, like a little bit of southern molasses, right. that is when I that's when she shines. And so right away that kind of twinkle in her eye when she's like, I could take her, I could do it, <laughs> and I believed her. Yeah, I, oh, like I think she could take her. I wanted to see that ending. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to see Patricia Richardson fight the lady from News Radio. <laughs> I did not get that. Next week on Celebrity Deathmatch, <laughs> build a bracket of every actress from a nineties sitcom <laughs> it's uh it's courtney cox versus uh julia louis dreyfus oh my god julia louis louis gets my vote on that one yeah i think julia louis dreyfus is gonna have it basically the the whole thing she's gonna win the whole tournament i think yeah well well it'd be her i think the the final bracket like the final game would be her versus Roz from frazier because they're both <laughs> they're both scrappy you know where where's doris roberts fit in that i feel like she could take down a few uh, true she could but i feel like there's probably some kind of bracket buster somewhere in there that would f- throw everything George off Costanza's mother they probably like take each other out <laughs> no she's a fighter dude she'd make she'd she'd hang on to the to the last yeah, but minute. in celebrity deathmatch she like her voice uh estelle Costanza's voice would oh, like I... be ear piercing and doris roberts head would blow up or something yeah that's that's her that's her fatality move <laughs> Exactly. Konami code. <laughs> but Jill makes all these suggestions about how she can fight Maureen and beat up this person who's bullying her husband. And Tim instead, Tim, who has had no idea how to solve this yeah. problem all episode, after talking to Jill for a second, says, no, 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 I think I know what I can do. I think I'm going to outsmart her. And then we get a uh, boxing glove punching the screen transition. Because <laughs> nothing says outsmart her like the entire screen getting punched. Uh, well, the screen was smarting after it got punched in the face. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Landon's wordplay s- corner. <laughs> Landon, we won't, like, this room only so has four corners. corners. <laughs> We're, we've used up 75% of our corners on your on your pet projects. Can I have one <laughs> corner for me? Uh, yes, you can. Welcome to Truman's personal space corner. I just come in here to think. <laughs> 
Um, one thing I do want to commend this episode on, because uh, I feel like Tim's need in this episode, and he even expresses it to Jill at the end here, is like, I just needed to talk this out. I just needed to be heard. I just needed to express this. Yeah. And I think that that's a really down-to-earth thing for Tim to, like, desire to have. You yeah. Know? And it's kind of mature for him to be able to express that also. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, not like last episode where his his desires are a little questionable, where, you know, he's just getting what he wants and being a dick about it. This one is just like, yeah, he's got a problem, and he's not asking for much. All he needs and recognizes that he wants is just to be heard. And I feel like that uh, can be applied to all of us. That's what we all want in life. We just want to be heard and recognized. We just want our friends to just take a second before they go take a bath and just hear us out. <laughs> uh, <sighs> uh, then we get to, we get two more scenes here. Yeah. Uh, well, we get one more scene and then some outtakes. Um, the tool time, we're back to After Dark. <laughs> Tool Time Nights. <laughs> uh, uh, in a segment that was probably shot at the uh, right after they shot the earlier Tool Time Nights <laughs> segment. Uh, and Tim has, in fact, outsmarted Maureen for so, one week. So so many, <laughs> yeah, so many issues with this. Tim's plan to outsmart Maureen, which is something that he concocts and enacts entirely off screen in to to as the solution to this episode spanning problem, is he has, I guess, sent Maureen on a tour of the Midwest to sell a bunch of promotional tool time uh, clothes and merchandise. Yes. At, at conventions, at tool yeah. conventions and whatnot. So, one, Maureen is in charge. How did Tim send her to do something? Maybe they're co-producing? Maybe, but it sure didn't seem like that on set because from, from day one, she's talking like she's the boss. Yeah, that's very true. So it's not even like a Tim's a producer, she's a showrunner. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's true. Okay. It, like, I didn't think of that. Him solving his, him solving the problem of Maureen being around by sending Maureen off to do other work is like me solving the problem of not getting paid enough by telling my boss to give me a raise and then him doing it. <laughs> like, like Tim doesn't have right. leverage. That's his whole issue. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, so, so there's that. Yep. The, the, the solution comes up in the last 90 seconds. We've never even, like, you know, we we've, we never see him, like, uh, uh, struggling to come up yeah, with this right. or put this, into, put this into play or since when has Tool Time had merchandise. And then, yeah, she – so she'll be gone for a week, but she's still the producer. Yeah. She's still taking his – like, this is the band-aidiest of band-aid yeah, problems. Yeah. It is a typical Tim Taylor band-aid solution. Like, the only way would be more – Which is my favorite folk band from the 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> um that's and and uh yeah and then i think opening for them of course was al borland playing some hits from pocket full of sugar <laughs> uh so he so he puts a band-aid salute like the only way this could be more band-aidy was if he solved the problem by having sex with jill uh but so he sends her away for a week but the, the the underlying aspect that that the man who gave him his show is MIA and now mm -hmm. his show is being poached away from him by someone else. Yeah. That's still out there, but he's I'll, acting like he solved it. Well, so then here's the question that I'm going to pose that me, Landon, is going to pose to you, Truman. Okay. Thank you for clarifying <laughs> who's talking to who. Oh, I've been playing a character this entire time. Acting! <laughs> <laughs> playing um, a character named Landon Solano? Is it spelled differently? <laughs> It's S A L O N O. Ah, that's good. Salono. Salono. Whatever. That sounds like the um, name of a real fancy Italian restaurant. <laughs> that's where uh, Patrick Bateman is trying to get a table. Right. Do you think we've seen the last of Maureen? I would. Well, I don't know what to think of this show anymore. But I would, if I were writing it, no. This would be a season arc of like, oh, sh you know, every so often. T 
Tim, with his sort of mis- occasionally misogynistic leanings slash increasingly frequent misogynistic leanings, has to deal with a powerful woman who has taken control of his baby. Uh, so I think we'll see more of her. What do you and what does your friend Mr. IMDb think? <laughs> well, I have the answer, so I feel like it'd be cheating to say. <laughs> okay. Well, what, well, then what do you... So you can't even say your opinion. <laughs> well, I don't have an opinion because it's... You have I have facts. the answer. Okay, right, okay, yeah. fine, fine. I would. I hope that she comes back, and I would like it if she comes back because even though she's kind of abrasive and annoying, I think I, as there were a lot. There's a lot that I didn't like about this episode, which is yeah. chiefly that they create this problem, they waste a bunch of time on like Tim trying to describe his problems to Mark or like other stupid crap around the house, and then rush us into a conclusion that doesn't address the problem. Yeah. But I like this idea of Tim. This is the first time Tim's ownership of tool time is challenged yes this is the first time we kind of talk about the fact that oh he he created the show he's built the show yeah which we found out was three years ago so yeah i think that paints an interesting timeline for us i mean it started in 1989 yeah uh, and then and we've was... seen a year and a half of it so we've seen yeah. half of tool time's life yeah well i mean yeah so it seems like they you know he was still relatively new at the thing when the show starts yeah which maybe that explains why the show sucks so much yeah i don't maybe. know it... But then, it's, anyway, so so Maureen comes in and talks just about how excited she is to go off and do the thing, and then runs off to go leave for a week and solve all their problems for a week. But she leaves them some samples of the stuff that she's going to be selling all yeah. over the place. And Tim is all proud of what he, he's done. Like, yep, solved that problem. Totally great. Never going to be an issue again. We did it. And then he picks up the uh, sweatshirt and holds it up against himself. And uh, it's the Tool Time logo and just a big picture of Al underneath. <laughs> and And... I want that. We both turn to each other and go, we need that in our lives. Even if we have to make them ourselves, <laughs> to- I will do it. It's a, it's, this is, this might be the first time we've ever recorded an episode where I've actually needed to wear more clothes inside your apartment as opposed to less. Yeah, and it's right a little now, chilly. Right now what I want is an Al Borland Tool Time sweater to keep me warm. <laughs> uh, I would 100% wear an Al Borland Tool Time sweater. Yeah. Sweatshirt. Uh, every day of my life. Yes. <clears throat> Even in the blistering hot days of Los Angeles. I, I would I would wear it to a beautiful sweater party. I would throw a beautiful sweater party <laughs> just so I could wear that sweater. I like that. And I would not invite anyone else because no one else has one. I might have one. Yeah, tr- okay. Well, they it would just be you and me. Yeah, which is ba- and then we just record a podcast there. <laughs> Welcome to Truman and Landon's Party Corner. <laughs> Damn it, Landon! <laughs> I get okay. I guess I get to share the last corner with you, but it's like I kind of wanted a space for me where I could like have my pottery wheel, and you know, you could build your hot rod in any of your other corners. Oh, uh, um, so in the end credit scene. Oh yeah, worth mentioning. It's an outtake. Uh, it's the scene where where Jill is is rushing out the door, so excited to go to work for yes. the first time. Uh, she delivers her lines to uh, the whole family. Yeah, the whole family. Rushes to the door, opens it up where Al is standing outside uh, to go talk to Tim, obviously. Yeah. But as she passes by, she opens the door and Al is... Wearing a certain cowboy hat that's <laughs> large enough to fill with nacho cheese. He's, wear- he's wearing this huge hat and then all the boys run out and like this is, this is a goof that they pulled on Tim yeah. Allen because then he walks in and then Tim sees him and cracks up and they're... They're laughing. This is like the this hat is like the butt crack of <laughs> season two. If butt cracks were the recurring joke of season one, season two is this hat, and I love it. It's much better. I the 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 cast and crew seem to love the hat as much as we do. I know. Also, I'm going to point out something. 
The Hat has currently had more screen time than Pamela Anderson this season. <laughs> has it had more screen time than the Benford Sports Ball? I, I think it, I think this puts it over uh, because the Sports Ball hasn't been in the last episode or two. That's true. And, and the Hat has been. The yeah. Hat has been there for the us. The Hat has been in three verifiable episodes. Oh, man, I hope he just keep. I hope that this is like the the Timbo helmet that he wears. I hope that, <laughs> yes. that then Tim is wearing the Timbo helmet and Al is wearing the cowboy. Just hat. Whenever Al is wearing casual <laughs> casual wear, he's wearing the hat. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say I think when we first met Hattie, which is the name of the character, which is gonna be in the opening credits, I think for season three. Hattie, uh, I like it. Uh, when we first meet Hattie. Uh, I think we were speculating, did they get, like, did they special make this hat? Did they get it at a costume shop yeah. or something? I feel like they specially made this oh, hat. Because yes. it's they just they got to get perfect. their mileage out of it at this yeah. point, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I love it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, the, uh... Episode? Episode. That's the <laughs> word I was looking for. Episode. That was, thank you. I should have written that down in my notes. Um... Wait, wait, and just one last thing. Grunt count, 11 for the episode. Oh, okay. Before I forget. Yeah. Uh, there were 11 grunts. Cool. None of them especially crazy or wild. Yeah. 10 is, uh, you know, not too many, not too few. No, it it's a feels like a good good number. Yeah, I, I, I agree. 11, it's it's two, two ones next to each other. It's uh, symmetrical. This episode of Grunt Work brought to you by the number 11. <laughs> this episode of Grunt Work brought to you by Stranger Things Season 2, now on Netflix. <laughs> wait, what? Starring a character oh, 11. named 11. Right, got yeah. it. I should get Netflix someday. Um, I just <laughs> recommended a documentary on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Caught in a web of your own lies. <laughs> I was, I How the, the turntables <laughs> have turned. <laughs> Good lord. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> Uh, the show notes for this episode will be posted on our website, which is www.gruntwork.com. The show notes for this episode will be posted on our website, which is gruntworkpodcast.com. Um, which, once you're there, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter in order to get notifications of every, uh, new episode that's available. And you also have some options. What are those options? Those options are to share our episodes. Because every time that you share us, we'll let you run your show however you want to. <laughs> but we'll have a few notes. Uh, just just a couple. And, we're, and we'll add some nooks. <laughs> Gotta love those nooks. Um, well, else, hey, man. Where else are you going to eat your muffins? Don't forget the crannies. <laughs> All this talk of nooks, but crannies left in the cold. I won't stand for it. Um, I'm just going from... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What 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 Pam's cranny now? That's no, what we're I was doing? going. I was trying to make some connection tissue to like a cranny panties, but <laughs> couldn't, couldn't do it. So I'm just gonna be no, the Sherpa on that one and say that's a funny phrase. Thank you for that IKEA joke. You just give me the raw materials and I'll 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 lug it out to my car and assemble it at home. There you go with instructions that only have crude pictograms. <laughs> Like a picture of some some unattractive panties and a picture of a cranny and <laughs> and and, a, and an anatomically incorrect sexless man standing oh. there with a wrench and an Allen wrench, yeah, yeah, uh, a Tim Allen wrench. <gasps> you can also that, follow. Is us. that why it's? Do you think that's why they call them that? <laughs> oh, maybe every wrench he uses on the show is technically an Allen wrench. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you can also follow us on the social media network places at GruntWorkPod. With that, I'm Landon Solano for Grunt Work. I'm Truman Caps for Grunt Work. Together we are Truman Landon and Landon for Grunt Work. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's sometimes it's like we're too good, you know. <laughs> <laughs>